Welcome to part two of our college football show. We've heard what our college guys had to say about the early slate of games for week 10, and now it's the time to focus on the real action. The stakes of virtually every Power 5 game have skyrocketed whether teams are competing for a spot in the college football playoff rankings, conference title game spots, bowl eligibility, or simply the job security of their head coach. Gary Seegers is joined by experts Kyle Hunter and Parker Fleming to break down the rest of Week 10, as well as the latest injuries and best college football betting advice right here in a few seconds. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is Week 10. It is Part 2. And we had some action last night. Good gracious. Started off the week on a high note, of course. 2-0 and to begin the week. And we are excited about it. We got more games to discuss today. Before we begin, let me go ahead and tell you about our experts. Our BetUS experts. Of course, BetUS is where the game begins. On the right side of your screen, Kyle Hunter. Our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter, at KyleHunterPicks. Kyle, uh, it is always nice when you can get an overwin on a total uh, sometime in the third quarter, right? Yeah, that was really nice. You know, you watch uh, 7 nothing at the end of the first, and you have over 71.5, and, and you're a bit worried. And then Maction, it went wild there in the second and third quarter, so that was fun. It is always, always a lot of fun on the weeknight games. We got Tuesday and Wednesday games uh, for the duration. I mean, as long as the uh, rest of the season is on, we are going to be here rocking and rolling, uh, and so will Maction. So, uh, Parker is on the left side. Parker Fleming, our stats guy, our analyst, our numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War. Parker, uh, this seems like a, a fun week. I mean, the slate's a little a little weird, but we've got a ton of really interesting matchups. How, uh, how are you feeling about this weekend? Definitely. There's, there's games that I'm interested to watch. I do think from a, a picks perspective, there's some of these that I'm like, man, I could, I could go a lot of different ways based on a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different narratives, but definitely some great games to watch. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, some, some matchups that I think are interesting just for process. You know, I'm a huge nerd Gary. And so I'm always thinking about like, why do my numbers say what they do and why are they different from reality? And this weekend, I think there'll be some interesting uh, comparisons there. So uh, props to both of y'all on the Mac last night. Again, I, I tweeted last night, I'm retiring from projecting Mac games. I don't understand (laughs) them at all. They're crazy, man. I'm more they, of a weeknight uh, sundial guy. <laughs> they definitely are. They definitely are crazy. It's uh, You never know what's going to happen. Uh, Central Michigan, of course, covered for me last night, uh, and that is all thanks to Khalil Pimpleton with two punt return touchdowns in the first half, just rocking and rolling. You never know what's going to happen in Maxion. Uh, I will go ahead and tell you, I am Gary. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Let's go ahead and let you guys know that you need to sign up at BetUS. It's where the game begins. It's America's top sports book. Now, I'm giving them that moniker, but I'm telling you, you need to go sign up over at BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You will get 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. It's a fantastic deal. There is a link in the description. You can click that link. It's going to put that promo code in there for you so that you don't even have to remember to type it in. So make sure and sign up over at BetUS where the game begins. Also, make sure and like the video. Subscribe to the channel, of course. A lot of you are already doing that, but I see more people watching than have liked, and we need to get that math to add up correctly. So go ahead and like the video for us. Subscribe. Make sure and hit the notification bell. That's going to let you know when we go live, and we do that on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, and jump into the comments. We've already got quite a few people in here, uh, James, Stephen, Jerry, uh, Tan, uh, P-Matt, etc. I know Kenneth was in here yesterday, and he was wanting us to hit on Houston and whatnot. Hey, we're going to talk about Houston today. So uh, with that said, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our recap of what we have done thus far on the season. Now, Last week, good week for myself and Parker. Kyle had one of the very few weeks that did not go well. But overall, um, 35, 27, and 3 for myself. Kyle, 27, 20, and 0. And Parker, 38, 36, and 3. All of us are above water. We are above 500. And honestly, you can go ahead and toss on the two wins from last night. So that would put myself at 36, 27, and 3. And Kyle at 28, 20, and 0. 
And uh, in the total, while it says on your screen 183 and six, that's actually 102 wins, 83 losses, and six pushes. That is not bad. That is profitable. That is good. And that's what we're looking for on this show. We are looking for value, and we are ready to roll. Uh, jump into the comments if we do not cover one of the games that you want to hear an opinion on. Uh, we uh, may not have a super long Q&A today. We haven't hard out. But go ahead and jump in. We want to be able to talk to all of you. We want your guesses. We want your opinions. We want your picks. And we want to help you if you have a game that we have not discussed. Let's start off with a monster matchup and what I think might be the game of the day. Auburn heading to College Station, Texas, to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. A&M, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Total of 49 here. Texas A&M won this matchup last year, 31-20. to Auburn is 3-2 and two straight up, 2-2-1 two, two and one against the spread in the last five matchups between these two teams. It's always a close game. It's always a lot of fun. This is an awesome, awesome matchup. Auburn, from, from what I have looked up, has never lost in College Station. I, <laughs> I don't know how that works. Obviously, A&M has not been in the SEC for that long. Uh, it dates back to 2012. Uh, Auburn 5-3 and three against the numbers so far in 2021. 2-3 against the spread. Their last five as a road dog. They have covered two straight. Uh, Texas A&M is 5-3 and three against the number. They have covered three straight. Seems like things have turned around quite significantly for them, starting with the Alabama game. And what Jimbo has done with Zach Calzada uh, is mind-blowingly impressive to me because he did not look like a good quarterback against Colorado, against New Mexico, against uh, just a whole slew of teams. Mississippi State, he started to kind of turn the corner. And then against Alabama, he was lights out, and he's been lights out ever since. Now, granted, the slate has not exactly been difficult. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this one. We... We, we don't quite know what to make of either of these teams, I don't think. I think they're both good, but you, a lot of these numbers come from beating up on bad competition. And, you know, we have seen Georgia whip up on Auburn, but Auburn has kind of destroyed everybody else. If you just want to look at the Auburn and LSU, sorry, Auburn Ole Miss matchup from last week, I don't know how much of that was Auburn being good or Ole Miss being just really beat up and in the middle of a really tough stretch. I, I want your opinion here. Give me uh, give me some thoughts on the Tigers and the Aggies. Yeah, I lean toward uh, last week's win for Auburn being more about Ole Miss than it was about Auburn. Um, I think Parker, didn't you have Auburn in that game? I did. Yeah, so that was a, that was a good call by Parker. It was certainly a good spot uh, for Auburn. Auburn's really outperformed my expectations for them so far this year. Harson's done a really nice job there. Um, you know, Auburn had that big performance off a bye against a banged-up Ole Miss team. Now Texas A&M comes off a bye into this game. Uh, I think the line is exactly where I would have made this one. So as far as the side, I don't have a strong opinion. Texas A&M's defense is number two in the SEC in yards per play allowed. I do think they could give Auburn's offense some trouble in a game like this. A&M's defense is extremely talented, well-coached. Texas A&M, really good running game. Spiller's a star. They're number 11 at PFF in rushing grade, first in the SEC in yards per carry. I don't think uh, Calzada will have a big game against a good Auburn secondary, though. So the question is, can Auburn stop the run? I would lean to the under in this one. This one has already been bet under. So 49 uh, is pretty low. I had this one a little bit lower than that, but not too much. I'm going to stay away from the side here, but I think this will be a really good game. And this is one I'm really looking forward to watch. Uh Parker, A&M, number 15 in opponent QBR on defense. Uh, they are really, really good at stopping the pass. Bo Nix has kind of been the wonder boy uh, over the past oh, what, three, four games or so. Uh, Auburn has been good. Uh, this seems like it could be a really, really close game, though, especially with a total like this. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I think this is a, a really, really interesting game um, because it is, like we said, two teams that we we don't know a ton about because they've both looked, um, uh, you know, good and bad at different times during the season. One thing that I, I really like about this matchup and I'm interested to see, Bo Nix, the last four games, has been really good. He's been really bad at some points in this season, but his last four games against Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, he's completed 84 
84 and 76 percent of his passes. Um, one key to that is is pressure. So he's been um, pressured a whole lot in the uh, Georgia State, LSU, and Georgia game. 11, 21, and 17 pressures. But against Arkansas and Ole Miss, only 10 combined pressures in those two games that Auburn has allowed. Now, of course, if you look at A&M, they've got DeMar, uh, DeMarvin Leal, they've got Tyree Johnson, they've got Michael Clemens, all with you know three and four pressures the last three games. And so that, I think, will determine, can Bo Nix get comfortable? Can he get going? Or will the A&M uh, defense disrupt him? I think that they will, but I'm actually very high on what Auburn has been able to do on offense. So Auburn's offense, 45th overall. Their defense is 44th. And again, that masks some early season struggles where um, they just didn't look very good. And that's kind of to be expected under a new coach as they're figuring out pieces. But I think Bo Nix is coming into his own. I think there are some offseason lessons about how we evaluate quarterback development based in context on how we've memed Bo Nix on the Internet. Um, and I really like to see him kind of coming into his own. I think that he's good enough to attack this offense or at least, uh, excuse me, attack this Texas A&M defense or at least free up some room to get that run game going. So Auburn is 55th in EPA per pass. Again, that, you know, if you recently, if you waited that recency, uh, it would be much higher. And they're 44th in EPA per rush. Um, the, the, the key for Auburn is going to be, uh, field goal, or touchdowns, not field goals. They're 64th in points per quality possession on offense. A&M is second, allowing only 2.4. So, um, Auburn is just going to have to play consistently and and on defense make Zach Calzada beat him because you're right. Calzada has looked good, but he's just looked okay. Again, I'm kind of a general equilibrium guy, right? We've got to talk about both sides of the equation. And and Gary, frankly, I don't think we're having very much conversation about Zach Calzada if Alabama can score in the red zone against Texas A&M <laughs> and they win that game. I think we think, oh, that was fun, but we don't take any long, long standing lessons. And so I, I, I don't love Calzada. 98th in EPA per pass for A&M, only 37th against the run. Uh, on the flip side, same thing, points per quality possession. Texas A&M is actually 95th. They're kicking a lot of field goals. And Auburn is 17th on defense. So I expect that there's going to be um, a, a good amount of quality possessions. And I think a lot of this game will be determined by what happens when the team crosses the 40 on both sides of the ball. I expect um, Bo Nix to be pressured more than he was the last two games. But I expect the offense to keep rolling. I really like what they did against Ole Miss. Even when Ole Miss had kind of that burst in the second half, Auburn said, no, we're going to distance ourselves and not let you catch up. So um, I, I like Auburn in the points here even though it is at Kyle Field, even though I feel like AM is one of the hotter teams, I think Auburn will make this a close matchup. I can get down with it. So let's go ahead and make it an official play. Parker is going to ride Auburn plus four and a half, and I can totally understand it. Of course, I could totally understand it if you had gone the other way because this seems like it is going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a fascinating game, but Parker is going to take the Tigers, and I am okay with that. So we will move on. We are moving to the Big 12 now. And Baylor is heading to Texas Christian. TCU, a six-and-a-half-point dog at home, total of 58. Uh, last year, TCU won this game 33-23. to TCU is 5-1 and one straight up and against the spread, the last six against Baylor. Nope, I think that's wrong. Never mind. They're 5-1 and one straight up against, uh, against Baylor in their last six. I'll double-check that number. Uh, the question here is going to be what's TCU's motivation after losing their head coach, Gary Patterson. Uh, he opted to not finish the season once he was, uh, we'll say, let go. We'll, we'll say a mutual parting of the ways, however you want to make it uh, sound politically. Either way, TCU won 6-1 and one against the numbers so far in 2021. TCU is 1-5 and five against the spread their last six as a dog. Baylor, 6-2 and two against the spread. They have outperformed expectations thus far in Dave Aranda's second season. And Baylor, 5-0 and oh against the spread their last five as a favorite. Uh, Jerry Bohannon and that running back core, uh, I don't know that TCU will be able to stop them. I, Parker, I'm going to get you in on this one, obviously, uh, because you know, you know quite a bit about this TCU team. I don't know what the motivation will be here. I don't know if they come out fired up. I will say this. I looked up all of the previous matchups between these two teams. I think they've played 14 times. I think that did. Either way, number's not important. I do know that Baylor is favored in this game by more than they have ever beaten TCU by. They have never won by more than six points, and they are favored by six and a half. And yet I still think that I like Baylor here. Let me get your opinion here. <laughs> yes, this is um, maybe only the second time in the matchup, Gary, where Baylor has been obviously more talented than TCU. 
Um, and the other time being in 2019 when TCU very, very easily could have won that game. It went to overtime and kind of stopped Baylor's offense. So um, obviously you can't speak to the gravity of what TCU will do without Gary Patterson on the sideline for the first time in 20 years. Um, I don't mean to be the guy who's always plugging, but whatever. But I could talk about TCU forever. Purple Theory podcast, we did an episode last night and talked a lot <laughs> about the ramifications of that. For the purposes of betting here, Baylor um, – does not make penalty mistakes. They really don't shoot themselves in the foot. When they turn the ball over, it's usually because they are being aggressive on your side of the field. TCU, on the other hand, makes a lot of mistakes, turns the ball over on their own side of the field, and uh, starts with really bad field position. So I do see this being a game that could get away from TCU and Baylor. Interestingly enough, my numbers have this. If if TCU were fully healthy and everything was going right, my numbers actually have this as a one-point win for Baylor, like a very close game. And so I like that, that, that line. I think some people got it at like one and a half on Sunday, which congrats to you. Um, but I really do think that uh, Baylor's offense and consistency is going to take over. The two things to watch for TCU as well. Max Duggan has a broken foot. I do believe that he'll probably sit out and not play through it. Um, he's kind of been wearing a boot all week, uh, just given the circumstances. And it does not look like Zach Evans is um, necessarily fully healthy, fully ready to play. And so without their two best players on offense, who knows what's going to happen this weekend. I think Baylor, uh, I think Baylor is a smart pick. But then again, in those rivalry games, you never know. You exactly. Never know. You never know. You never know. Baylor, number 15 in net points per drive. TCU, number 99 in that regard. Uh, and without a quarterback, without the running back, uh, you, you don't know what to expect here. It is a rivalry game. And while we talk about the fact that TCU could really get up for this one, uh, I also look at it as Baylor could really take advantage of the situation and kind of run this thing up a little bit because they have never been able to do so. Uh, so I, I am going to ride with Baylor. I'm going to make it an official play here. Uh, Baylor. Minus six and a half. I like what Dave Aranda and them are doing. Jeff Grimes and that offense. Uh, I think that running back core is going to run all over this front seven for TCU. Uh, they have not been able to stop anybody so far this season. And I think Grimes and company will draw up something to be able to get plenty of yards on the ground and put up plenty of points. Uh, I expect them to kind of run away with this. My line on it was actually Baylor minus 10. Uh, it's at six and a half. Uh, that seems like value to me. So I'm going to roll Baylor minus six and a half. That moves us to another Big 12 matchup. And again, we want everybody to jump into the chat, jump into the comments with your picks. We want to know what you think. Uh, let's move to Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Oklahoma State, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 49. And last year, Oklahoma State won this game 27-13. Oklahoma State is 6-0 and straight up and against the spread. I double-checked that number. Yes, Oklahoma State is... 6-0 and against the spread and straight up in the last six matchups against West Virginia. Oklahoma State 6-2 and against the number so far this season. They have covered six straight games in 2021. They are 5-3 and against the spread their last eight as a road favorite. West Virginia 5-3 and against the number. They are also playing pretty well. Uh, they are 5-3 and against the spread their last eight as an underdog. Neil Brown has really outperformed things but last week against Iowa State there were some calls that went West Virginia's way that I wouldn't normally count on them being able to get uh, but also they are at home again this weekend and you never know what's going to happen with a little bit of home cooking Kyle I want to start off with you here uh, Oklahoma State number 23 in net points per drive West Virginia is number 69 West Virginia has outperformed everything over the past few weeks that they did at the beginning of the season. They didn't look great at the beginning of the year. It seems like they've kind of turned a corner. They got a lot of momentum going. And Jared Dagey, who we don't believe is a good quarterback, seems to be playing significantly better. Uh, what are your thoughts on this on this game? Yeah, I, I've dissed Jared Dagey enough that I feel like I need to give him quite a bit of credit for 370 yards passing against Iowa State. An Iowa State defense that really we thought was pretty good. I still think they're pretty good. Um Deggie, the thing about Deggie is he has upside, but he does make some pretty big mistakes. You remember some of the big mistakes um, against Virginia Tech, gave Virginia Tech a great chance to win that game at the end of the game. Um, having said all this, you know, Oklahoma State is a team that I really don't like to bet against because Mike Gundy has proven himself to be a tremendous moneymaker. And I know I've said this before, but if you look at just Mike Gundy as a favorite, since 2008, 72 and 47 against the spread. That's 60.5%. That is great stuff. 
Look, if you're going West West Virginia and Oklahoma State, or if you're taking an Oklahoma State game in general, you better really like the other side if you're going to take the other side because he's proven himself to be a great coach against the spread. And I still think some people are underrating this Oklahoma State defense. They are really good. They're much better than any other Big 12 defense, in my opinion. Number six in run defense grade at PFF, number 11 in coverage grade. They're third in the nation in fewest 10-plus yard gains allowed. 72 plays of 10 yards or more in eight games, which is excellent. There's eight teams in the country that have allowed 140 or more 10-plus yard gainers. So Oklahoma State has really done a good job limiting big plays. You know, Spencer Sanders still concerns me in the passing game. Uh, that, that's the one thing that, that keeps me off of laying the points here. Because the question is, can Oklahoma State run the ball here? Because they're going to need to. West Virginia was, was great at stopping the run. Earlier in the year, they are giving up 4.41 yards per carry in Big 12 play. So um, not great, not terrible. Special teams could be a really big thing here. Oklahoma State fourth in PFF grade on special teams. West Virginia 79th. Um, if I was betting this game, I would either bet Oklahoma State minus three and a half or the under. Uh, Parker, the Cowboys are 3-0 and against the spread on the road this season. They are only giving up 2.88 rushing yards per attempt. I I really like Oklahoma State here, and it seems like their offense has gotten back on track now that they've actually got their guys back healthy. Like That's been the biggest thing. They didn't look good on offense to begin the season. Seems like they kind of got it rolling here lately. Uh, what are your thoughts here? This is a fascinating matchup to me because, one, I've never been wrong about anything, and Jared Dagey's actually good, and West Virginia's becoming who we thought they could be. Um, I really like what he's done the last three games. Um, 74% uh, adjusted completion percent against Baylor. Obviously, their defense had some issues there, but 88.8 uh, 80, against TCU, 80.5 against Iowa State. Um, the big thing for me, against Iowa State, he was pressured eight times. He threw it away twice and took no sacks. That's been Daggy's big issue, is that Daggy overall um, can't do anything under pressure. And, and the fact that he's been able to kind of mitigate that, not take sacks, and, and find a way to move the ball has been really good. Letty Brown, the running back, has been a sleeping dragon for West Virginia, and he seems to have awoken the last couple of weeks. They got their run game going. The offensive line is playing much, much better. That being said, I do think that West uh, Oklahoma State is a good team on defense, as principled and disciplined a team on defense uh, as there is in the Big 12. Shout out to Jim Knowles. I have them as 11th EPA per play. Um, and, and actually pretty equal against the pass and the rush. Um, so they're being disruptive uh, over overall. I do think that West Virginia's offense can score some here, but I, I don't know um, if I like them at, you know, at, at three. The one reason that I would talk myself into West Virginia is if you look at their games, aside from the Baylor game where it was 21 to seven in the first quarter and things just kind of got out of hand, um, they really have not given up a lot. Uh, the last couple of games, it's been, you know, they held Oklahoma to 16 points. Texas Tech, who's got an explosive offense, to 23. TCU just dismantled them, held them to only 10 points. One of those, uh, seven, seven of those were a kick return, so that's 17. And then um, 31 against Iowa State, more than enough to win. So I think that they are uh, absolutely capable of, of kind of getting in the mud here. One one thing to look at, though, this is a really, really tough stretch. They have Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Texas back to back to back, which is going to be hard. So they're they're grooving and they're and they're getting better. Um, I wonder if they they falter kind of down the stretch here. But ultimately, I do think Oklahoma State's the better team. Uh, I think it's worth a flyer on West Virginia just because they're playing so much better the last couple weeks. And it's not unexpected. They're playing better in the way that you thought they would at the beginning of the season. So maybe some things coming together in Morgantown. Uh, as always, have to say, being the Big 12 guy, Morgantown is a very weird place and very weird things happen there. You know, sometimes the better team goes in and they look like the worst team. So uh, I think it's worth a flyer on West Virginia, but I don't have a play here just because um, West Virginia has, has played so dramatically different the last couple of weeks that I'm a little wary of my numbers. I trust Jim Knowles in this spot. That's, that is the whole reason I'm making this an official play. We can go ahead and do that. I'm going to roll Oklahoma State minus three and a half. I got it at three. I still like it at three and a half. I think Oklahoma State is the significantly better team. At Iowa State's defense, we can talk about all the numbers and everything that we want to, uh, but they they have given up points in the past, and that's kind of what it looked like last week. I don't know that West Virginia will get all of the calls that they got last week. I think that Oklahoma State is a better team than Iowa State, even though, even though Iowa State beat them on the field. So I think in this matchup, the way that these two teams are set up, I think Oklahoma State is the better team. And that is going to be my official play. The other two are going to pass on it. 
I'm rolling with the Cowboys. Let's move on, and we are going to move out west. Utah State at New Mexico State. And Utah State, this is a battle of, uh, of Aggies here, but Utah State is favored by 18.5, total of 71.5. And, and they don't play all that often. The last meeting was 2018. Utah State won at 60-13. to 13. New Mexico State is coming off of a bye week. Uh, Utah State 5-3 and three against the number, and with Blake Anderson, and they have completely rejuvenated that program. They are 3-0 and oh against the spread on the road this season. New Mexico State, this might surprise some people, they are 6-2 and two against the spread. Of course, the one time that I bet on them was the beginning of the season when they did not cover the spread, but since then, you know, they've been 6-2 and two, or 6-1 and one, uh, since that first week. They are 1-7 and seven straight up. They have covered in three straight games, and now they are nearly a three-touchdown underdog. Utah State, number 71, and net points per drive at New Mexico State, number 118. Parker, I want to start off with you here. Uh, I kind of feel like Utah State could score 70 by themselves here if they wanted to. Logan Bonner has been awesome. Yes, the two matchups here. So 18 and a half, I guess, is what it was when I pulled my preview. So so um, uh, that's a lot of points. But the things that I like in favor of Utah State here are that they're 16th in EPA per pass on offense. So they have some deep threat ability. Uh, New Mexico State is um, 116th in defense. And then Utah State is 23rd in quality possession rate on offense. New Mexico State is 118th. Third down success, Utah State is 24th. So Utah State is going to be able to toss the ball downfield early and often, uh, knowing that they're going to have good field position, knowing that they're going to be able to attack um, on third downs and be successful. Um, I, I, so, so I like this play. I just think it's so many points um, that that I'm not I'm not sure they'll be able to absolutely cover that. There are some weaknesses, obviously, on their Utah State defense, but generally, I expect a big day from Logan Bonner and the Aggies. I, I tend to agree. We did have somebody jump in. Mark Holmes said only you guys would cover this game. That's why we like doing <laughs> Darn this right. show. <laughs> That's the Bet US College Football Show knows no bounds, my friend. We cover the games where we see value. Kyle, uh, neither one of these defenses can really do a whole lot. Yeah, the total is 71 and a half, but like I told Parker, I feel like Utah State could score 70 by themselves if they wanted to. What uh, What are your thoughts here? Gary, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't say this was the battle of the Aggies because I was going to say we don't really give out locks on the show, but there's a lock here on the Aggies. Uh, I know it would have been a bad joke, but you know, <laughs> it was set up. U- Utah State is sixth in tempo um, in the country, and New Mexico State is 18th in tempo. A ton of possessions in this game. Utah State ranks first in the nation in offensive explosiveness, and uh, New Mexico State's defense, not a good defense against explosiveness. They're really not a good defense against anything. It would surprise me a lot if New Mexico State can slow down Utah State very much here. So Utah State just put up 51 against Hawaii last week. Hawaii's defense is certainly much better than New Mexico State. Now, I know that doesn't necessarily mean what's going to happen from one game carries over to the other, but New Mexico State's profile doesn't look like a team that would slow down Utah State. So a big number from Utah State, then what do we need here? We need New Mexico State to keep pushing all the way to the finish to try to score points. They have showed multiple times this year that they will do that. Remember the Nevada game where um, against Nevada, New Mexico State scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. They also put up 31 points against a pretty good San Jose State defense as well. So they're capable of scoring. They will keep trying all the way to the end. This is a high total, but it's very high for a good reason. Uh, the extreme tempo the amount of points Utah State should be able to put up here. I'm going to take the over in this one. I like it. Uh, a few stats to toss your way on that. New Mexico State giving up 9.7 yards per pass on the season, uh, number 121 in opponent QBR for New Mexico State. And in the last three games, they're giving up .733 points per play. Nearly nearly one point per play for this defense. That is absolutely absurd. Uh, but I like where you're going with it. So let's make it an official play. Kyle is going over the 71 and a half here. This this does seem like a good play. We we could hit 100 here. It, it could be very Maction-esque, I do believe. Uh, with that said, let me go on and remind everybody, like the video. Uh, there are way more people watching than have actually liked. That math needs to add up at some point. Help us out. Click the thumbs up button. That certainly helps. Hit the subscribe button, and then hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live 
and that is every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be right here breaking down all the games with which we see value or the biggest or most interesting games. Uh, we have a different kind of slate every single week. Jump into the chat for the Q&A at the end, and if you missed it, go back and check out Wednesday's show. It's archived on the channel. You can find it there, or if you want to find the individual games, you can go to the BetUS official channel uh, if you want to do that. But either way, uh, any of that would help us out. Share out the show, take it, friends, all that good stuff. Uh, Steven jumps in. He said, I like Utah State and the over in this game. Um, yeah, going to ride with Kyle. And it's typically been a really smart idea since he is, uh, he is rolling thus far on the season. Next game up, we are rolling with Marshall at Florida Atlantic. And FAU is a one-and-a-half-point dog at home, total of 57-and-a-half. Marshall won this game 20-9 to last season. Marshall 4-2 and two against the spread their last six against the Owls. Marshall 4-4 four and four thus far on the season, 3-1 and one against the spread on the road. They tend to play better when they are away from home. Florida Atlantic 4-3-1 and one against the spread. They are 2-1-1 one and one at home. And FAU only giving up 3.3 yards per rush in the last three games. They have... Uh, They've looked pretty good in that front seven here. Kyle, I want to start with you on this one. Marshall, number 11 in net points per drive. They are number 15 on defense. The offense has given the ball away a little bit here and there. I am curious your thoughts. This is a super tight line. Uh, spread is a little, or not spread, excuse me, the total is a little higher than I would have anticipated here. Uh, you got any thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, I was uh, breaking this game down last night, uh, looking in depth about this one. This one really fascinates me. Um, both of these teams have played a really weak schedule, obviously, you know, poor Conference USA in, in more ways than one at this point. Um, Marshall has 26, I mean, sorry, 28 sacks on the year so far this year. Number five pass rush, according to PFF. And Florida Atlantic's pass blocking is not great. Uh, 52.9 grade at PFF, 95th out of 130 teams in the country. Nikosi Perry has an overall PFF grade of 82.8 when kept clean, but under pressure as PFF grade drops to 51.9. I'm worried about Perry and his effectiveness against this pass rush. I would imagine Florida Atlantic tries to run it here. I think that'd be a good idea. Marshall's not very good against the run. On the other side, Marshall really likes to throw the ball. Uh, Wells is up and down. We've talked about him before. He can look really good at times, can look pretty bad at times. Florida Atlantic secondary is really, really good. Um, Atlantic is sixth in the nation in pass coverage grade at PFF. I think Marshall will have trouble moving the ball through the air. Marshall is 10th in yards per play margin so far this year. Florida Atlantic is 59th. A fast pace in this game, but the more I look at this game, I, I'd certainly lean to the under here. I think 57 and a half is pretty high. When you look at the two matchups, because it's uh, strength on strength, the defense is good at what the opposition wants to do. Um, I would lean slightly toward Marshall if I had to take a side, but I like the under better than that. Uh, Parker, I I'm going to give you a stat that really kind of stood out to me. Marshall is only giving up 40% red zone scoring in the last three games. I feel like a regression would have to be coming because 40% is pretty absurd. Uh, tell me, Tell me your thoughts here. Yeah, that's kind of where I started things uh, with this is that Marshall defense, man, 24th in echo rate and quality possession rate, whereas Florida State's offense is only 85th. Florida State is is uh, not Florida, you, Florida State. Atlantic. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Somebody get me another cup of coffee. Um, Florida Atlantic is is uh, 85th in echo rate, but they're 19th in points per quality possession. So what Florida Atlantic is doing is they're hitting home runs, baby. And I like that ability against this defense. Marshall's defense, 45th in EPA per play, very weak schedule, have, have looked prone to um, struggle against the uh, rush. They're really good against the pass, but if you kind of look at the passing rushing splits, Florida Atlantic, 55.6 early downs rush rate. That's 75th uh, most rushing in the nation. And so the rush game, I think, is going to matter a lot more with Marshall being weak against that. Against that. That's We talked about that selection issue a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't think people are really passing a ton against Marshall. And so we'll see how Florida Atlantic can move the ball with the run. Like you said, um, Florida Atlantic's pass defense is legit. I, I, I think I had a good beat on that UTEP um, FAU game last week. They were able to be disruptive in the secondary. 34th in EPA per pass, 57th in EPA per pass for Marshall's offense. You might be inclined to say Marshall runs the ball well, but like Kyle said, uh, they're, they're, they're really, really throwing it a lot. 
6% early downs rush rate. That's 16th in the nation. And so this is strength on strength. And uh, I tend to favor Florida Atlantic here. Uh, also note Florida Atlantic undefeated at home uh, this, this season too. So will be interesting because it is going to be um, it's not Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic. They're not going to be passing the ball, doing crazy things on offense, but they are going to be trying to set up home runs with uh, some efficient rushing. And I think their pass defense will be disruptive against Grant Wells. I like the Owls. I like them at home as a dog. I can roll with it. Let's make it an official play. Parker, riding with the FAU Owls plus one and a half. I'm going to sit this one out, boys. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, this seems like it could go any number of different directions. But I do like Parker's conviction. Uh, let's move to the Big Ten. And we have got uh, maybe maybe one of the more boring matchups <laughs> in the Big Ten this season. Iowa, a 12-point favorite, total of 40-and-a-half. And, you know, this is one of those games that uh, that you just sit back and, and you kind of watch the grass grow on, on old Ryan Field there. Northwestern 21 to 20 last season. Northwestern is four and one straight up and against the spread the last five against Iowa. Uh, the question here is, has Iowa adapted after two straight losses? Uh, because they they did not look good against Wisconsin. They did not look good before that. So uh, against Purdue. So I, and honestly, I don't know that they looked great against Penn State until Sean Clifford went out. So Iowa is five and three against the spread this season. They have failed to cover in the last two. Uh, they are 4-0 against the spread their last four as a road favorite. They typically get up in these spots. Northwestern. Uh, whew. Y'all, Northwestern is just, uh, you know, Parker, I want to go on and get you in here. I, I'm a little biased towards Northwestern. I, I feel for those guys. <laughs> but they uh, they have not performed well, uh, really, at any point this season. They just don't look very good on offense. Parker, I, I want to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I think the only thing you could say about Northwestern is their pass defense is pretty okay. It's 26 in EPA per pass. You wonder about selection of, you know, I would run against Northwestern because they're not good defending the run, 118th there. Um, and, and, and so that's interesting. You know, you watch that Minnesota game. I really thought they were going to be able to muck things up a little bit more. And they, I, I think that they made some good decisions in trying to be aggressive on fourth downs, but they ended up giving Minnesota the ball on short fields and just, you know, giving away points. Uh, so I think that... Um, I'm expecting very little offense here. And because Northwestern is so low quality on both sides of the ball, it's not that they're poorly coached. I just expect field position and turnovers to matter more. And buddy field position and turnovers is uh, Iowa's middle name here. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a super low uh, game. I, I barely have this hitting the over, um, but Northwestern plus 12, like 12 points in a game between two teams who are just going to be throwing haymakers and, you know, fumbling the ball. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I, I don't know that Iowa can – I don't trust Iowa to cover it, but then I don't trust Northwestern to do anything at all. So I'm passing on this one. I will note, fun stat, this is a game that features two uh, quarterbacks who are in the bottom uh, 30 of total EPA. And I'm saying this as a reminder for later. I need to go look. I bet Iowa has this season has featured the worst quarterback matchups uh, in the history of college football, just because one, they have a terrible quarterback and then they've played some truly, truly terrible quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, I expect Iowa's defense, obviously best unit on the field, fifth against the pass, fifth against the rush to, to dominate. And that means that special teams and turnovers are going to matter. So I would, I, I would lean towards Iowa, but 12 points, man, I'm not going to make a play on that. Yeah. 12 just seems like it might be a lot. Uh, as far as points go, Iowa number eight on defensive points per drive allowed, uh, Northwestern number one eleven on offense. That is not a good matchup there. Kyle, uh, give me some thoughts here. 40 and a half seems like it might be a lot in a game like this where I don't really expect points to come from anywhere. Yeah, like Mark's thoughts in the chat, this is not the type of game you want to watch. You just bet the under and cash three hours later. I certainly hope that's what happens. <laughs> I am going to bet the under in this game. You know, 40 and a half is a low number, but it has to be really low for any Iowa game, and Northwestern can't score much at all. In fact, if you look at Northwestern and Big Ten play, 12.25 uh, points per game, certainly not yards per play. 12.25 um, points per game in Big Ten play, I don't think they're going to score much on Iowa. I don't know how you could think they're going to score much on uh, on Iowa unless they get some kind of you know pick six or something from Spencer Petras, which certainly is possible. But you know Iowa is not good offensively at all. They're 125th in yards per play, 121st in offensive success rate. Remember when this team was ranked second in the country? I mean, neither do I. It's kind of hard to believe. Um, Iowa is 74th in the nation in yards per play margin. So 
Um, while I like Iowa as a team, I, I like uh, Ference as a coach. You know, it's just amazing that this team was um, rated that highly for a while based on how weak they are on offense. We know they're tremendous on defense. And Northwestern, to me, has zero identity on offense. And and if you have zero identity on offense, that's not a good thing against a team like Iowa. You know, the Hawkeyes second in the nation in defensive explosiveness. If Northwestern is going to have success here, they have to slowly move the ball down the field. This isn't a type of Northwestern offense that I think can do that against Iowa. Winds of, of about 15 miles per hour or so through this game could help a bit on the under as well. So I think this is an ugly game, and I agree this is not one I want to watch, but I am going to bet under 40 and a half here. I can roll with it. Let's make it official. And Kyle is going to roll with the official pick here. He is taking under 40 and a half on Iowa and Northwestern. Uh, go on and remind everybody, uh, we have got several people that have already jumped in with questions in the chat. I've got uh, one from Dom. i got James Lill with several. Uh, Flying Hawaiian with a uh, with a philosophical question. Uh, Mark and uh, and Steven, et cetera, et cetera. We are, we're going to hit on a bunch of these at the end of the show. we got three more games to hit, though. Starting off over in the Pac-12, uh, big game for the evening, and this has come down to a battle for academic prowess, I guess. Uh, the school presidents and the head coaches and what, I mean, just going at it over, over nothingness. Um, but Oregon heading to Washington, playing in Seattle, Washington, a seven point home dog here, total of 51, Oregon 35 to 31 in 2019. Last year, Washington had to cancel this matchup, uh, due to protocols and, and that allowed Oregon to get into the PAC 12 title game, which was very interesting. Uh, Oregon eight and two straight up seven two and one against the spread the last ten against Washington they have kind of owned this matchup uh, this is this is going to be an interesting game I feel like um, when I when I look at it I I feel like Washington would perform better in this game if Oregon leaned more on the pass but sadly they do not this looks like a mismatch to me I want to start off with Parker on this one. When I look at these numbers, uh, Oregon number 25 in net points per drive, Washington number 54, um, Oregon defense hasn't been great, but I don't know that Washington can take advantage of any of Oregon's weaknesses. And on the other side, Oregon's running game should absolutely own Washington's front seven. Uh, this looks like a mismatch. What are you seeing here? It does. Um, Oregon's seventh in EPA per rush, Washington in uh, on offense, Washington 113th uh, defending it. You're right about the pass. Washington's actually been eighth against the pass. But again, remember, we talk about selection all the time. You look better against the pass if you're really bad against the rush because people are just going to run it against you a lot and only throw when they have to. So um, I do think Oregon would do well to um, run the ball here. They're 74th in early downs rush rate, uh, 55.5, fairly balanced. I think that should be better than average. Um, one thing to note as well, Oregon's finishing ability is really, really high. 21st in points per quality possession, Washington's defense 94th allowed. Um, the only thing, uh, to say for Washington's defense or offense rather is they're a little bit better against the pass than they are against the rush. They're 50% early downs rush rate. So no tendencies there. Um, but I really do think that, uh, their, their offense is uninspiring in so many ways. Fun statistical oddity. Um, they are 106th in quality possession rate and they are 14th in points per quality possession, uh, Washington's offenses, which means they basically don't score when they cross the 40. They just get big play touchdowns when they score at all. So uh, not a very good offense at all. They, they, they need to hit home runs to score. I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball or keep up. Um, I think because of pacing issues and because of rushing frequencies, Washington covering like, I think they could keep it close. I would actually lean towards Washington plus seven, but I'm not going to play this just because um, Oregon has looked up and down and and the pace matching here makes me, um, it's like, obviously Oregon's a better team. Obviously I think Oregon's going to win, but the way the pace works, maybe Washington could cover. So the uncertainty there, I don't, I don't have a strong play. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way here. Uh, Kyle, Mark jumped in. He said, Oregon is better on the line. If this was at home, I would be more convinced. And that's kind of where I sit on this. I don't feel great about the Ducks here because they have been so volatile all season. I don't know what to expect from them game in and game out. Although, on the road, when they feel even slightly disrespected, they tend to show up in big ways. You uh, you got a thought on the Ducks and the Huskies here? Yeah, I mean, these two teams uh, have played the 63rd and 64th strengths of schedule so far this year. So, uh, 
really even there. Oregon 20th in yards per play margin, Washington 65th. Um, as Parker said, Washington defense, excellent against the pass, terrible against the run, fourth in opponent QBR, 100th in yards per carry allowed. I think weather is something to really monitor for this game. 90% chance of rain. Uh, right now it says half an inch to an inch of rain uh, on Saturday. The next seven days um, with the high chance of rain in Washington, uh, even for Seattle, some drastic weather. Oregon ranks 29th in yards per carry allowed, Washington 100th in yards per carry allowed. So in a rainy game where both teams are going to have to run it even more than normal, I think that should help Oregon. Oregon has been really inconsistent this year, though, like you guys just said. So I don't want to put my points, uh, I don't want to lay the points here with Oregon. But, um, you know, I mean, I lean the Ducks in this one if I had to bet anything. And, and guys, I mean, the Ducks should be good in the rain, right? And they should. Bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> That's too my, good. That's my too kids good. would like that one. I don't know about this That's audience. But. I like I like that one. I'm into it. <laughs> yes, I like I like those jokes. Uh, so with that said, we are not going to have an official play on this one. Uh, none of us feels you know super strong one way or the other. There are so many different variables that could go one way or the other. Uh, so with that, we want you to jump into the comments, jump into the chat, let us know which way you are leaning on this. Maybe maybe you can give us some information. That will lead us to bet one way or the other. Uh, the betting doesn't just stop once we go off the air. Of course, you can always reach out to us with any other games. If we don't get to a game in the Q&A uh, after these next two games, you can always reach out to us. Our Twitter accounts are, of course, in the description below. Uh, or you can just jump into the comments, and we jump in there and comment back as well. So uh, moving on to the next game and the second to last one, Houston headed to Tampa, Florida to take on USF South Florida Bulls. And Houston is a 13-point road favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total is 53 on this game. Houston won this 56-21 to last season. Houston is 4-0 and straight up and against the spread their last four against USF. Houston 5-3 and against the number so far in 2021. They are 3-1 against the spread the last two years as a road favorite. South Florida 4-4 four and against the spread thus far this year. They have, uh, they've looked a little bit better. Under Jeff Scott, uh, not too shabby. 3-0 and against the spread as a home dog in 2021, or over the last two years, I believe. Um, Houston, number 18 in net points per drive. USF is number 117. Yikes. This seems like it could get out of hand uh, very quickly. Kyle, I want to get you in here. I, I look at what Clayton Toon did last week with 412 passing yards, uh, four touchdowns, a 73% completion percentage. I, I think... Houston might be hitting their stride here. Let me uh, let me know your thoughts here. Yeah, Gary. First, um, what did you have this line at? I put you on the spot uh, here for the. Oh, my bit. my line on this was. Da, 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 da. So I had Houston minus ten. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I was going to. I was going yeah. That seems that seems pretty low, but um, you know, I think this is a, a bad spot for Houston. But I sit and look at the um, you know, the matchups here, and I wonder how USF is going to score. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't because, like my line, by the way. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I, I had Houston minus sixteen here, so we probably have uh, USF rated a little differently. I, I think USF wants to run the ball a lot. Sixty-two percent rushing plays, even though they're losing most of the time. It's surprising to see sixty-two percent rushing plays. Obviously, they don't trust their passing game very much. Houston is fourth nationally in yards per carry allowed. I really doubt USF is going to have much success against this really strong Houston defensive front. And USF is 122nd in explosiveness on offense, so they're going to have to gradually move the ball down the field. I don't think that's going to happen against Houston here. So uh, Houston, should they be able to do enough against USF's defense? I, I would think so. 119th in success rate um, allowed for USF. You know, as far as this game, um, I kind of like the under. It's it's already moved down. Um if I had to bet a side, I'd certainly bet Houston. Now, I will say Houston had that amazing game back and forth against SMU last week. We know SMU continued to kick kick it deep to Houston, and that was a mistake. Uh, Houston made him pay for that. That was one of the better the games this year, guys, as far as the back and forth of, of that contest. Um, you could say this is a bad spot for Houston, giving a situationally coming off that huge win. Um, having said that, uh, I just think that Houston in the matchup is set up here pretty well. So I, I lean toward Houston in this one. I can uh, I can totally roll with that. Uh, defensive coordinator Doug Belk at Parker 
at these numbers, at giving up 4.7 yards per play, only .338 uh, points per play over the last three, only 29% on third down for the season. Uh, this defense is playing lights out right now. Uh, and, of course, you know, having a kickoff return last week certainly helps <laughs> with, uh, with everything. But they, uh, they have played pretty well, even though they gave up 37 points to SMU. I don't trust USF to be able to put up the kind of points that SMU did. What, uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so so one that SMU Houston game was just um, incredible, just just football at its absolute best. I think we're going to talk about two games here. I might I might I might uh, talk about this more when we talk about UTEP UCSA. But uh, generally, I mean Houston and and SMU was just so much fun. The thing that I think about here with USF is I I love what USF is able to do, um, and are not able to do wants to do. I love their foundation. I love how they are building up with the fundamentals. I wonder if that run rate is not extremely influenced by them constantly giving on the RPOs, uh, cause they're running a lot of RPOs. Um, and, and, and so theoretically what they are building towards, I love at USF, what they are right now on offense is just not there. Um, they are, uh, 90th, uh, EPA per play on offense, hundred, uh, hundredth in EPA per pass 65th against the rush kind of okay, but, um, really, really struggling on third downs, 121st. So SMU scored a lot. SMU has a great offense. Uh, also note there was a ton of possessions in that game. So when you break that for Houston down to per possession, they actually had a pretty good performance there, but what they demonstrated is their offense is competent enough to, um, take advantage and, and, and keep up with the team. Uh, USF threw three interceptions against ECU last week. They went for it on fourth down, I think four or five times. They're being aggressive and just not going to get there. And so kind of at the margin, those things like I expect USF to continue to be aggressive. I expect them to be sloppy. And with how good Houston's secondary is, 14th EPA per pass, ninth overall in EPA per play. Um, I love Houston here. I think that if they hadn't had a bad loss at Texas Tech to start the season, this would be a game where I, I agree, Kyle, this is a weird spot. But because they lost early, I do think they're kind of doing this big snowball build to the end of the season. I do think Houston will give Cincinnati a run for their money in the ACC championship. So uh, I like Houston. I think two scores is no problem here. Uh, I expect a lot of turnovers from USF and Houston's offense to continue to work on developing their run game and their downfield passing. I can roll with it. Let's go ahead and make it an official play. Parker likes Houston minus 13. I, I'm I'm in I'm in I I'm gonna pass on it as an official play, but you know come Saturday night you you might see me putting a little pizza money on this thing because uh, Houston has played insanely well this, thus far this season. I love what Doug Belk has done with that defense. Moving on from there, we got one more game to discuss before we jump into the Q and A. Again, remind everybody like the video, subscribe, jump into the chat, all that good stuff. We've got several questions for the Q and A. UTSA. Heading to El Paso to take on the UTEP Miners and UTEP, an 11-point home dog, total of 53 here. UTSA won this game 52-21 to last season. They are 4-2 and two against the spread against UTEP the last six. Uh, UTEP's offense is not great, but they have been averaging six yards per play over the last three games. UTSA is 7-1 and one against the spread thus far this season. One and one against the spread in the last two years as a road favorite. They are not in this position very often. UTEP six and one against the spread versus FBS. Uh, they did not cover against their FCS opponent earlier in the season, um, but they are two and zero oh against the spread as a home dog so far this season. I I love this matchup. I love everything about this. I love what Dana Demel is doing. I love what Jeff Trailer is doing. This is a fun. Regional rivalry kind of game. This is what makes college football so interesting and so much fun on a weekend and week out basis. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you here. At my my question is: UTEP is only giving up two and a half yards per run. Can they lock up quarterback Frank Harris and running back Sincere McCormick in this matchup? Because that's about the only shot that they've got is to be able to slow down the UTSA offense. What uh What do you think here? Yeah, it's funny, as as you were talking about this game, bringing it up, I was making sure this game was televised because I wanted to make sure I could watch this game on Saturday night. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a fun game. Um, I like both of these two teams. So, um, you know, I'm really torn on this game. UTEP's really easy to root for. I love that they're bouncing back nicely. Um, UTSA, though, has a talent advantage, and I don't want to go against UTSA. I think they're a really well-coached team. Um, McCormick and the rushing attack for UTSA – I think is a big challenge for UTEP. And if you look at UTEP um, and yards per carry allowed 
and you go back and see who they've played, they really haven't played anybody that can run the ball very well. So I, I think UTSA is probably going to have success. UTSA first in Conference USA in yards per carry. Uh, the run defense for UTEP has been very good, like I said, but the schedule they've played is very weak. Um, on the other side, UTSA, third in the nation in yards per carry allowed. Again, both of these teams have played a really weak schedule, but they're 81st in opponent QBR. And UTEP's um, Cowing and Garrett on the outside, pretty good wide receivers. Uh, I think UTEP, if they w are willing to air it out more often than normal, I think they can have some success here offensively. So I want to see what kind of game plan they come with here because I don't think they're going to have a lot of success if they just try to run it right up the middle every time. So hopefully they're uh, innovative a little bit here on offense. I actually think both offenses can have some success in this game. And my lean here is to the over. Um, I don't I don't really have any strong opinion on the side. I think you guys do. So we'll see what you guys like on the side on this one. Uh, Parker, UTSA averaging .710 points per play over the last three games. They scored 54, 45, and 45, but they have not faced a defense that looks like UTEP's. Uh, a guy to watch. Defensive end, praise Amawule. I'm hoping that I say that correctly. 11 and a half tackles for loss on the season. He has been lights out. Just absolutely incredible. I like what UTEP's doing. Um, you know, I don't know that Kyle is wrong here. I do think that they have not faced anybody like UTSA thus far this season, um, other than maybe Boise. Uh, but I don't even think Boise is as good as UTSA is. Uh, give me, give me some thoughts here. I, I, I have a feeling which way you're going to go. <laughs> yeah. So, so one, I will say, um, Gary, we saw the playoff rankings on Tuesday night, and they didn't make a lot of sense. UTSA wasn't ranked. A lot of that is annoying. Um, here's what you do in response to playoff rankings. You watch and enjoy the ever-loving heck out of UTSA UTEP on Saturday night. This is going to be an excellent game, and just because there aren't little numbers next to their names on the broadcast does not mean you should discount the quality of this game. It's going to be great. Um, the best unit that either team has faced, they are facing. Uh, so UTSA 24th in EPA offense, UTEP 6th in EPA per defense. Both teams rush a lot, 90th and 123rd in early downs rush rate, but they rely on that over-the-top passing game to get uh, generate those big plays to keep the offense moving. So um, key for me here, U UTSA's offense, 10th in EPA per pass, UTEP's defense, 22nd in EPA per pass. On the flip side, UTEP's passing game, fourth in EPA per pass. UTSA's defense is 44th in EPA per pass. So I really do think that this is an even matchup, uh, kind of complementary and uh, in a complementary sense. And I do think that UTSA should be able to win it, but I'm taking UTEP to cover because I believe their passing ability uh, means that they'll break off a couple of big plays and they'll be able to keep it within striking distance. Shout out to Jacob Cowing. You guys know I talk about South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert all the time. Cowing, uh, 67 targets, 19.9 yards per reception, four touchdowns. And of course, Justin Garrett, uh, 53 targets and 15.4 yards per reception. Uh, one guy to watch for UTEP, is Tyron Smith. Uh, again, when you have good receivers and you can throw multiple punches, that's going to free up other guys. Smith, uh, only 27 targets, but he's averaging 20.9 yards per reception. So if UTEP uh, struggles in the run game against UTSA's good rushing offense, I wonder how UTSA's okay passing defense will hold up when there are three legitimate options who can find the ball, who can break deep. Um, and Gavin Hardinson, you know, he's up there on total quarterback EPA. He, uh, I think he's top 20. So a really quality quarterback play for UTEP here. I like that outside um, kind of connection with him and Cowing. I think that the Miners hosting a game that should have been game day. They're having an orange out uh, in El Paso. I think they're going to be able to keep this close, if not pull this out. I, I like what they did towards the end of the game against FAU. It looked like the Owls might run them out last week, and UTEP found a way to get back in that ball game late and uh, and have a shot there at the end. And with that, I think they are going to do the same thing here against UTSA. I think UTEP has a shot to win the game. It's not a great one, but I do like the matchups here for both teams. Uh, let's make it official. Parker and I both are going to ride with the Miners. UTEP plus 11 is the play for both of us. And that is going to wrap up the games that we have for today. So let's jump into the Q&A. Again, we want to know your picks. We want to know your thoughts. Um, but we do have some questions. Dom asked, and we're going to have to kind of rapid fire this. Uh, so I will, I'll bounce it back and forth between Kyle and Parker here. Dom wants to know about Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern. Kyle, Georgia Southern is a 20-point underdog to Coastal. 
Uh, total of 60 and a half. Of course, Georgia Southern just hired a new head coach, Clay Helton. Uh, that's not going to have anything to do with this ball game. Uh, but Georgia Southern has not been awful, and I think that they are kind of used to what Coastal Carolina does on offense. You uh, you got a feel on this one? Um, yeah, I was I was kind of hoping you were going to go to Parker for this one based on it. <laughs> My, well, we can swap uh, it up. I'm totally fine. I, with could, t- I, I could totally top in, yeah. So yeah, let's do let's do it, Parker. Hey Parker, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the reason I don't so my numbers have this as uh, Coastal Carolina like twenty five points. The reason I don't have a pick here is because Georgia Southern can run the ball, and I'll I'll say it, Coastal Carolina's front stinks on defense. It's bad, and so Georgia Southern thirtieth in EPA per rush. Uh, Coastal Carolina's defense has fallen to 59th in EPA per rush. So pacing issues there because um, you know Georgia Southern running the ball 124th most in the nation or. 68 is the 124th uh, lowest uh, passing rate on early down. So I, I really think they'll run the ball a lot. I think this will be a fast clock game. And uh, 20 points seems like a whole lot, especially when there's that mismatch of strength on strength. Granted, Coastal's first in EPA per pass. Georgia Southern's 111th in EPA per pass on defense. Maybe Grayson McCall throws for 500 yards, and this is a blowout. I would tend to think it's going to be close just because of that rushing ability from Georgia Southern. Uh, Kyle, how about this one? Clemson and Louisville. I know that you have uh, a lot of hate in your heart for Clemson after last week, but uh, Clemson is a four-point favorite. Total is forty-six and a half. I, I don't, I don't have a feel on this one. I, it seemed like a lot of love on Clemson early in the week because it opened at three and a half, jumped up to four and a half. Now it's back down to four. I, uh, you gotta, you gotta feel here. Yeah, I think this was a good switch because I do have a stronger opinion on this game. I. <laughs> I think the under is a good play again, and I, it pains me to say that based on how last week's game went. But um, Louisville on defense has improved in recent weeks, and they're not that explosive on offense. We know that Clemson's offense has struggled all year. If I had to bet a side here, I'd bet Clemson. I don't think that uh, Louisville is um, very good this year, and, and Clemson has at least improved somewhat. But I, I like the total in this one. Um, I, I think this is a pro- probably a pretty good under between these two. I can get down with that. Uh, Mark wants to know about Purdue and Michigan State. Michigan State, a three-point favorite on the road, 53.5. Parker, this is a a big letdown spot for the Spartans, and Purdue has performed well in some spots. What scares me about this game, uh, because typically you see a line like this, and my line on it was Michigan State minus six, but when you dive in and you see what Purdue is able to do on offense, throwing the ball around, what Jeff Brom is best at, Uh, Michigan State gave up a lot of yards through the air against Michigan last week. If Michigan can do that, I feel like Purdue can as well, especially at home. Uh, You got a feel on this one? My numbers have this as Purdue 37, Michigan State 30. Um, That makes me extremely nervous. Uh, I can't, I couldn't do it. I'm a coward. I couldn't pull the trigger. Um, The one, the, the, the matchup here that really matters is the passing game on both sides. Purdue. 10th in EPA per pass defense, 20th, 22nd in EPA per rush, really, really shutting things down. And then Michigan State's offense, 93rd in third and fourth down success, and Purdue is 11th on defense. So this Purdue defense is the best unit that Michigan State's faced. Um, that being said, along with you know Michigan State lags in EPA per pass, their 50th, uh, 55th overall, um, Purdue is eighth in early down rush rate. They are running the ball only 39.9% of the time on early downs. They are going to sling the ball. They're going to get the ball to their playmakers in space. This has the makings of an upset. Um, and so I do believe I'm going some pizza money on Purdue just because you got you got to trust the process a little bit. But in terms of official picks, I couldn't pull the trigger. I was, I was a little nervous there. I, I could understand that. Uh, PMAT wants to know about Army and Air Force, the total of 37.5. Kyle, uh, this looks like it's right in your wheelhouse. A total of 37.5, a service academy under all that. Do we get the typical under? In this spot, which honestly, it's been a trend between these two for quite a while. I know we have quarterback injury issues on both sides here. I think both are going to go, but both aren't uh, 100% healthy. I, my number on this actually said that this would, this would go over. Uh, my total was 46 on it, but I don't trust it for nothing in this kind of matchup. What, uh, what do you feel on this one, Kyle? Yeah, so um, 39-9-1, the last 49 unders uh the last 49 games 39 unders and service academy games um there's no way i'm betting over between these two yeah <laughs> so um it's it's hard to bet under 37 and a half though guys so I, that's why i had to stay away from this one if this had been like 41 this would have been a play for me here on the show um it, of anything if i had to bet it i would still bet the under just because i can't go against that type of trend but but i'm gonna pass there 
Uh, let's see, Parker, last one for you here. Tennessee versus Kentucky. This has gone from Tennessee, a three-point road dog, all the way to a pick em. Kentucky did not look good against Mississippi State last week. Tennessee, you know, coming off a bye. Uh, I I don't know what to make of this. Like, I liked it when it was Tennessee plus three. Now that it's a pick em, I it's tough going into Lexington and getting a win, especially at night. Uh, you got a feel on this one? Yeah, the issue last year, or well, maybe last year, last week for Kentucky was that Mississippi State had a defense that could frustrate them enough, um, and then the offense that could kind of run, again, that air raid, very annoying, pick your poison sort of uh, credibility with Will Rogers. I think he was, what, like 39 for 40 or something stupid? Um, and, and, and so I don't think Tennessee has the offensive prowess to match up with that. They're 44th overall. They're 72nd in the pass. And so Kentucky's passing defense is, can be exploited, but most of Tennessee's value comes from the rush. Uh, and Kentucky's pretty good in rush defense, 26th overall. Um, on the flip side, Tennessee's defense, just uh, bad, just really poor, way worse than Mississippi State's. 87th against the pass in EPA, 75th in EPA per rush. I get it. It makes sense. Tennessee is better than they have been in a while. This is a rivalry game. Um, but I do think that uh, Kentucky has been undervalued the last couple of weeks. And I think this is a get-right game for um, for Will Kentucky. Levis from yeah. uh, Kentucky. So uh, Kentucky minus one would be my lean. Um, certainly wouldn't begrudge anyone saying rivalry game. I think Tennessee comes to play. But I, I would lean Kentucky minus one here. I can, uh, I can get down with that. Uh, last question here, Kyle. I, I'm really curious your thoughts on this as well. The Flying Hawaiian asked, uh, what are our thoughts on teasers? Is there any value going through zero? Um, I don't really like teasers in college football. I like them more in the NFL, where I feel like I can trust the totals a little more. Uh, but Kyle, I want to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I'll try to keep this brief, but I think teasers in general for any sport other than the NFL are a bad idea because there's too much variance in college football. Uh, we talk about these games where it wouldn't surprise us if somebody wins by 28. It wouldn't surprise us if they lose. And you're paying a, a big premium for a six-and-a-half-point teaser. Um, I know some people tease things like totals, just a really bad idea. So in general, teasing through zero is a bad idea even in the NFL. Teasing through zero in college football is a really bad idea, but I think that teasing college football is just a, a bad idea in general because, uh, you know, we're looking at college athletes that one game they could play very poorly, the next game play really well. Um, there's too much in terms of discrepancy from one team to the other. Uh, there's big differences in these teams. This is not the NFL where you, you have these really tight spreads. Uh, I, I think teasers are a bad idea in college football. Just stay away from them. I tend to agree. Uh, with that said, all you guys that are in the chat, we certainly appreciate you. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, you can also jump into the comments after the show, and we will answer any questions that you have on any game. So reach out to us on Twitter. We're always around to help, for sure. Let's jump into the recap so that we can go ahead and knock this thing out. Uh, Parker, let's start off with you. Give us, uh, give us your picks for the day. Yeah, my only my only G, uh, Power Five pick today. I think Auburn keeps it close at Texas A and M. I'll take them plus four and a half. FAU I think will win outright um, at home, so I'm taking them uh, against Marshall. Houston minus thirteen um, and UTEP uh, uh, keeping it close versus UTSA uh, plus eleven. I also like the UTEP pick, and I've got two in the Big Twelve. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma State minus three and a half, and I like Baylor minus six and a half. Kyle, what have you got for us today? We've got Utah State and New Mexico State over 71 and a half and Iowa and Northwestern under 40 and a half. I like it. All right, so we started out the week 2-0 and with some action plays from Wednesday's show. Make sure and go back and check that out. If you would, so kindly, make sure and like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Again, we do this Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, and we want to go ahead and remind you, jump into the comments. We want to know your picks. Jump in there. Let's argue this thing out. Give us some leans. Let us know what you're doing this weekend because we will be in there paying attention. Also, make sure and sign up over at BetUS. It's where the game begins. BetUS.com. Enter the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. And, guys, it is sportsbook exclusive. It's not going towards a casino. It's just for sports gambling. So jump in there. Take that, uh, take that deal, take advantage of it, and let's get this thing rolling. Bet US, where the game begins. I think that's going to wrap us up. 
This has been a fun week. Of course, every week has been fun. Uh, the, the games just keep getting better and better. We hope you will stick around. We hope you share the show out. Guys, with that said, we are going to get out of here. Uh, we will see you all again uh, for BetUS, where the game begins next Wednesday.